So we're in this series, and we're finishing it today. It's called Rest. Has this been good for you? Oh my goodness. This has been, okay, for three of you, great. Okay, the rest of you are well-rested. Okay, it's all over today, by the way. Back to the grind tomorrow, okay? So we've had four weeks of rest. Now it's back to reality. I, this has just spoken to me. I, I'm just a type A, man. I am pushing, 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 pushing. Is that an amen for my wife over there? I mean, I, I'm just take the next hill kind of guy. Anybody testify? Anybody the next hill kind of person? Okay, like, uh, yeah, I just, that's who I am. That's how I'm geared. And God's saying, no, you need to, you need to rest. Come on, tell somebody right now, you need to rest. You need to, you need to rest. I hope this series has helped you. It's, if you've missed any of it, listen to the podcast. The theme for this series is that I can find rest in the midst of stress. Stress ain't ever going to go away, but I can find rest in the midst of stress. And we've been looking at David's psalm, the 23rd psalm, this, this psalm he wrote near the end of his life, and he's reflecting back on his life and all the ups and the downs of it, and he writes this beautiful piece of poetry that has been spoken by presidents and world leaders for thousands of years. And I want us to say this together. This has been our theme scripture for this entire series. So say this with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Okay, hang on. Now, if you miss any of this series, it it all begins with Jesus, okay? If you don't have Jesus and you're not starting with Jesus, you'll, you'll never find rest, okay? So it begins with with him. And then it says this about the Lord. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Let that sink in for just a second. Say that one more time. He restores my soul. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them he can restore your soul. He can He can restore your soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever." So today, I want to talk to you about resting in the house. We're going to look at that last part there, resting in the house. Let me pray as we prepare. God, thank you for the worship that has already taken place, that your spirit is already here, and we, we feel that, we, we sense that. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're like, what is that? What is that emotional kind of buzz that I'm feeling, and what is the energy that I'm feeling? Well, that it, it's not an energy, it's not a buzz, it's a person, it's the Holy Spirit, and he's here today, and he wants to minister to you today, he wants to speak to you today, so let him today. So, so that just make that your prayer, whether you follow Jesus or you don't, let's make that our prayer god would you speak to me today would you renew me today and would you pray for me as your pastor that i'm going to be faithful to what god wants us to hear today and if you're ready if you're ready for some rest in jesus name let's give a big amen in the house all right you can be seated well, Psalm 23.6 is where I want us to land today as we close this series and we look at the last verse, and, and it says this, let's say the first part of this together, surely goodness and mercy, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I, I think when we read this, many times we can read it with a questioning tone. Like this, like, you know, I mean, surely, surely uh, goodness and mercy are going to follow me, right? Right, God? And God's like, yeah, right, yes, yes. Goodness and mercy are going to follow you. And, and don't call me Shirley. So that's what God is. Yeah, I went there. I went there. I went there. You were thinking it. I went, hey, I'm here all morning. I'm here all morning. Turn to somebody and say, it's going to be a long morning. It's going to be a long so some of y'all are looking at me like, I don't even know what he's talking about. Google airplane. That's all you need to do. Google airplane. All right. That's uh... so um, a few weeks ago, uh, Jeremiah was cleaning out his room and uh, he brought down his this box of trophies that he has and he put them all out on the table. He's like, Dad, you got to see all these these trophies. This is crazy. And I walked in and I looked at these trophies and this table was just covered with trophies. And I was pretty pumped because um, U Sports runs deep in our family. I love U Sports and I've coached it forever and I've coached my boys forever. I, I just love being a part of that. And I coached him all the way from the time he was in kindergarten all the way up to seventh grade in basketball. And we got a trophy every single year. And I was like, oh man, I, we were just having this moment. And he saw how, you know, I was pretty, I was pretty pumped. I, mean, I coached him. Man, we got some trophies and they're big. And he said, hang on a second, Dad. Look a little closer at the trophies. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, look at what every single trophy says. And so I went and I looked at every single trophy, and I'm looking at every single trophy. And every single trophy says, runner-up. Runner-up. That is worse than participation, okay? <laughs> I mean, I, I, give me the participation trophy, but to give me the, the runner-up, all that says and screams is, you didn't win, somebody else did. It just reminds you, and every single one of them had runner-up on it. But then he said, no, Dad, there is one that we got first place. And I looked, and sure enough, there was one, one trophy, <laughs> a plethora of trophies that said first place. And I was like, we won first place? And he was reminding me, and I had forgotten, every year... We face this team called the Blazers. How many of you had kids in youth sports before? You've had kids. Okay. You know that, that team? And they're, they're, they're honestly, they're not any good, but they got the best player in the league. So they win every game. And if they didn't have that kid, they wouldn't win. That was the Blazers. Okay. We lit. I mean, to this day, whenever I see their coach in public, I do not like him. Okay. <laughs> Even Laura will see him and go, I just don't like that guy. It, if you're in youth sports, you know what I'm, it's okay, it's okay, it's the house of God. I, I repent after every single time I see him. I say, I don't like you, but I forgive you. All right, so, and, but, and, and so they had the best player, but there was this, we won first place. One year, we won the league championship because the best player was sick that day. So we got first place, and then we went in course to the tournament, and he was well, and they won, and we got the runner-up trophy. This is exactly how many of us feel when it comes to God's goodness and his mercy. You feel like a runner-up. Like everybody else is winning. Everybody else is getting it except you. I'm always just missing out. Like they're getting God's goodness. I got God's okayness. That's what I got. Like you look at somebody's marriage and you're like, well, dang, 
look at their marriage. They're like, they're giggling. They're still giggling. They've been married, and they're like, hee, they see the hee. And we're like, when's the last time we went, hee? Don't. If you do that, just don't, okay? But you, you see that marriage, and you're like, well, why? They got God's goodness. How come I got God's okayness in my spouse? Or this is one we do. No, maybe you don't do. No, we don't do this. We, we as followers of Jesus, we don't do this. But we, you ever looked at somebody else's kids? And they're just all perfect. They just all look great. And the little girl shows up in her little Easter dress every Sunday. She just looks so perfect. And they waddle in like little ducklings behind mama. And they're just a little perfect little family, aren't they? And you look over at your kids. And you just look at them and you go, really? Really? And you start spanking them just because? Why just because? can't you be like them? I mean, it's just, but we don't do that, do we? We never do that. We never feel like somebody else got the perfect kids or... You ever had somebody else is like, they got the job, they got the good job, and they got the promotion, they show up in your core group, and they're like, I just want to give some praise to Jesus because I got a raise and a promotion, I wasn't even looking for it. You're like, well, isn't that nice for you? They <laughs> got God's goodness, you got God's okayness. Man, even if you're single, like, you're looking around, and you look at that boyfriend, girlfriend you got, and you're like, man, I am stuck with okayness. How did they get God's goodness? <laughs> Got, if you're sitting with them right now, just, uh, just tell them right now, no, you are God's goodness. Everybody else is jealous of my goodness, okay? That's just so if you're sitting with that person, all right? But we can feel that way, that, that everybody else got God's goodness, and they got his mercy, and I, 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 didn't, I didn't get They got their miracle, and I, I didn't get my miracle. But come on, let's, let's look back at this, because when David says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, this is not a questioning statement. Okay, this, this is David, this is a statement that he's making. He's saying, I can count on it. I know that it is going to be there. I know that I can always look for it and I'm going to find it. And I'm never going to miss out on God's goodness and his mercy. Come on, tell somebody, tell three people right now, you ain't going to miss out. You ain't going to miss out. You are not going to, look back at verse six, look back at it. Look, look back at it again. It says this, surely goodness and mercy shall what? Shall what? Shall what? It shall, it shall follow me all the days of my life. Let's, let's just be honest, though. Many times it can feel like goodness and mercy are following, but they're struggling to keep up. Like, like your kids, you're like, come on. Come, come, goodness, now, now. Goodness, right now. Right, mercy, come on. Right now, here. And then it can feel like it's just struggling to keep up with you, and where is this goodness and where is this mercy? But David says, it follows me. But it doesn't just follow you. The idea here, when you look deep into it, this idea of following, is not that it just follows you, but that it chases you down. How awesome is that for you if you're a follower of Jesus? That his goodness and his mercy will chase you down. Like, it is going to hunt you down. It is going to look for you. God gives out his blessings to you freely. He's on you. He's looking for you. He's with you. And he says, I want to give it to you. There's an old preacher from the 1700s. His name is Joseph Benson. And he's a, a theologian too as well. And, and I like the way he put it. He said it this way. He said, it's God's wonderful freeness and readiness to do good to his people. Look at that. Just let that sink into you. God's wonderful freeness. He just wants to give it out to you, his readiness to do good to his people. You're his kid. You're his child. And he says, I won't give this out to you. I'm not waiting on it. I want to give it to you. 
See, goodness and mercy, there's so much depth in these two words that I think we, we, can, we can miss what David is trying to say here. And I think he uses these two words very, very intentionally because you could look up in a whole bunch of different versions. Like if you've got you version on your phone and you looked up all the different ways the words goodness and mercy are used in different translations, it's because these, these two words are so, there's so much depth to them. Like just the word, take the word goodness, the word goodness here, what David is trying to say is this idea of enjoyment. Like God wants you to have some joy. He wants you to smile. He wants you to have fun. He wants joy in your life. Like if you're missing out on joy because of what life is dumping on you, guess what? Joy is chasing you down. It's there for you, enjoyment. It's this idea of, it's, it's a benefit. Like, it's the best benefits package ever. Like, we love benefit packages at work, don't we? Like, you give me this, you give me this, you give me this. Well, what David is trying to say, like, when you are on God's team, you have the best benefits package ever. So it's enjoyment, it's a benefit, it's welfare, but it's not a welfare check. You're not going to be on government cheese with the Lord. No, he's not there's putting some food stamps in your hand. No, if they, he says, no, I have the best for you. I'm looking out for you. That's the kind of welfare that he's talking about. I'm looking out for you. He says, and this this idea of happiness. It's so weird. Sometimes as followers of Jesus, we think, well, I can't be happy. I'm a follower of Jesus. And I just have to be somber, and that's just who I am. No. We should be the happiest people. If we are not that, some of y'all ain't happy right now. I can just look at you. could smile right now. That'd be a really good time to smile at this preacher like, yeah, just fake your happiness right now. Fake it till you make it, okay? But I, because like, why would anybody want what you are selling if you're not happy? Happiness is contagious, is it not? Like when you see somebody that's happy, don't you want to be around them? But when you walk up to somebody and say, hey, how you doing today? And they're like, oh, oh. Don't you just want to get that conversation over quickly? Come on, let's be honest, be true in the house of the Lord. Like somebody's like, oh, you're like, I mean, not that we don't care. I'm not saying we don't care because when people are carrying their burdens and people are struggling, we want to listen and we need to lean into that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about, man, am I, am I happy? Is the joy of the Lord with me? And it's this idea, look, goodness is this idea of good things. I don't know what your impression of your heavenly father is. I don't know what your impression of God is, especially if you're not a follower of Jesus today. Let that sink in. God wants good things for your life. Come on, tell somebody right now. Tell three people God has good for you. God has good for you. God has good for you. And, 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 and now this is, that's just goodness. That's just the richness of goodness. Now, now let's, what about mercy? The idea of mercy here is this idea of devotion and faithfulness, this idea that God is always there. Doesn't matter. He's always going to be faithful. I can count on him when I look over my shoulder. There is goodness and mercy. It is there. It's the favor of God. It's the kindness of God. He's a kind God. Doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter where you've been or who you've been doing it with, we have a kind God. He's not waiting to pour out his wrath on you. He's waiting to pour out his mercy on you because he is kind and he is loving. It's this idea of loyalty and unchanging love. 
This is the richness and the depth. Like, his love doesn't change. Come on. Our love changes, doesn't it, depending on the temperature in the room and depending on how somebody treats us? You're like, well, I'm just going to withhold my love. If you're going to talk to me like that, well, then you're just going to, you're not going to give you this. No, that's all you're getting right now. That's all you're getting. Not God. It's unchanging. It's steady. God's love is always there for us. I just think of God's goodness and mercy kind of like... Um, I think of it like Josh's Snow Shack. Like, you ever gotten been to Josh's Snow Shack? Like, I mean, I love Josh's, okay? Testify in the house. Anybody been to Josh's? Okay. After church, some of you ain't been. We're going to take you. Put your hands up if you've been. Put your hands up if you've been. And look around for the hands down. After church, you're going to treat them to Josh's Snow Shack, okay? Mm, to a, a wonderful gift that Oklahoma has given to this world. We've given them Quick Trip, and we've given them Josh's and Taco Bueno. Those are our contributions to the world, right? Right? So, but you go to Josh's and they have that, that, that menu and, and it's just an endless number of flavors and you just, an endless combination just goes on and on and there's nothing better in the heat of August than to just bite into that Josh's. They put so much juice in it and they have that shaved ice and it just feels so good. It's so good. That is God's goodness and mercy. It's this endless combination. It, it is never ending and it quenches what you need. This is who our God is. So David, David says this. He says, not only does it follow me, but I love this. It follows me all the days of my life. It's always following me. Like, it's always there. I, I, I think when I read this, and I'm going to read a little bit into it because it doesn't really tell us this, but I just think when David wrote this, we know that he was probably writing this at, near the end of his life, and he was kind of looking back on his life, and looking back at all the, all the goodness and mercy, like he's, he's sitting there, and he's the king, but he's looking back at that time when, when he was just a, a teenager, and he was just out in this field, and nobody knew who he was, like nobody was writing, nobody's preaching about him, nobody was, you know, putting his, his, his psalms and his poetry into books, nobody was doing any of that, nobody even knew who this guy was, he was just a teenager watching some sheep in, in, a, in a field, and, and, and he sees that the prophet comes, but he's out in the field, and he looks out, and, and the prophet is coming, and the prophet is trying to figure out who the next king is going to be, and going through all of his brothers, and David's not even invited to the party. But then Samuel, like, looks over the brothers, and he's like, hey, who's that? Who's that? And just, oh, that's, that's just that's one of my other boys. I just have him out there watching sheep. Well, let me, let me go talk to him, and he goes out into the field, and he finds David in, in the field. Listen, this is who our God is. God can find you in a field. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. That God can find you in a field, huh? You feel like, does God know me? Does God know where I am? Does he know God can find you in a field? That is good preaching. Tell somebody right now. He is preaching right now. That's good stuff right there. So he finds him in this field, and David's remembering this moment, and he's looking back, and he's like, there it was. There was God's goodness, and there was his mercy, and then, then he remembers that he was anointed, and, and then he remembers this time when, and we all know this story, but nobody knew the story, and he goes into to King Saul, and he says, hey, listen, I think I can kill that giant, and God's favor was, was with him, and, and he goes out on the field, and he's all on this field, all by himself, and he knows, I've killed the lion, I've killed the bear, but dang, you are big, dude, and he's standing out in the field, and he's like, he's out here on the, on the battlefield all by himself, and God's goodness and God's mercy are right there. When he's facing the biggest giant, isn't this our God, huh? No matter the giant you face, God's goodness and mercy right here, 
right here. God's mercy is right here. No matter the giant that, that I have right here in front of me, God's goodness, and you got me? Okay, God's with me. The soldiers are all hiding out. Y'all a bunch of, you know, and, and, but they're hiding, but not God's goodness and mercy right on the battlefield with me. And then David kills that giant. And then David, then he's going to ascend to the throne. And King Saul ain't too cool about that. So King Saul says, I'm going to kill David. I'm going to hunt him down. Next thing you know, David, all of a sudden, the anointing and the killing of the giant, and like everything's going good. Everything's going bad now. But David's looking back and he's remembering when he was hiding out, when he was abandoned and he actually ran off and had to even hide with the enemy at one point. He's remembering all that and he's like, oh my goodness, I didn't even realize it. <laughs> now, wherever where I was, even when I was being chased, God's goodness and mercy was still with me. No matter where I went, no matter what happened to me, he was still with me. And then I became, remember the day I became king. That was a good day. God's goodness and mercy were with me. Well, then David even remembers as he looks back and he remembers that, whoo, that sin, that, that, that time where he, he just messed up with, he looked upon Bathsheba and, and, and then he, he, he hurt Bathsheba's husband and had him killed and he found himself in the deepest, darkest pit. And I think David in his old age is looking back and he's like, man, that was a dark time. Whew, that was a dark, dark time. I didn't think God's goodness and mercy were with me then because I had just jacked it up. I had hurt a lot of people. A lot of people were counting on me, and I didn't see God's goodness and mercy. But it's like David's like looking back right here in this moment. He looks back, and he's like, your, your goodness and mercy were with me even, even in the pit of my sin. Your, your goodness and your mercy were, were there. So he's looking back and he's reflecting and he's just seeing God's goodness and mercy are ever present. Chased him down. This is, listen, and because goodness and mercy are ever present, I can find rest in the midst of stress. No matter what's going on around me, no matter what I'm facing, I can always look and see that goodness and mercy are following me and I can find rest in the midst of my stress. What's interesting is, is instead of turning and, and embracing goodness and, and mercy in our lives, many times we strive, try to strive and earn it. It's, it's interesting, as followers of Jesus, his mercy is given to us freely, but, but we try to earn it. We try to earn that, that goodness and that favor from God, so we're like, I'm, I'm going to go to church. I'm, I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to be in church, and I'm going I'm to do the church thing so that... I'm in church, God. Do some good things. Things aren't going so well over here, but I'm in church. Or, you know, hey, you know what? I'm going to serve. And I'm, look at me, God. I'm, I'm serving coffee. I'm holding a door for somebody. Look at me. I'm rocking a baby. I'm, in, I'm working with teenagers. God, I, look at me. I'm, I, right? Right? You're pleased, right? And, and so we're chasing after God's goodness and his mercy instead of his mercy and his goodness chasing me. I'm turning and I'm starting to chase after it. And that's an endless pursuit, by the way. You're chasing at, and what's happening is you're wore out. Like, you ever come to church? You don't have to amen this, but you ever come to church and you leave more exhausted than when you came? Can I tell you why that happens? Because you're working and not worshiping. You're trying to get God's favor. You're trying to get God's goodness. You're trying to get his mercy instead of just worshiping. It's, it's, it's religion, not relationship. It's just about religion, man. I just got to do the right thing, and then God's going to give me his goodness and his mercy, and it's this endless pursuit of trying to get his, his goodness and his mercy, and you're chasing after it instead of letting it chase after 
you. And the idea here is that we've got to learn to worship instead of work for it. In other words, what I've got to do is, listen, as I follow Jesus, goodness and mercy follows me. Okay? As I follow after Jesus, as I just worship him for who he is, what happens is rest begins to come into my soul. Doesn't matter what I'm facing, doesn't matter what the struggle is, doesn't matter the pain. When I'm sitting and I'm worshiping him, then all of a sudden goodness and mercy are chasing me. It's being poured out on me. You ever notice that? When you start to worship, goodness and mercy get poured out on you, and all of a sudden the stress starts to pull off of you. All of a sudden, the anxiety starts to pull off of you. All of a sudden, that feeling that you have inside of you, that darkness, that pit that you're in, all of a sudden, it it starts to lift because you're worshiping instead of working. And now, because you're following Jesus, goodness and mercy are starting to follow you. It's with me. Goodness and mercy are with me as I follow after Jesus. When you go to work tomorrow... You don't have to work at it. You just go to work, and you just let God do his thing. You do your best, and guess what happens? God's goodness and mercy are right there in your work. So when the stress starts to come on you and the struggle starts to come on you, guess what? You're right in that moment. You say, oh, wait, 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 wait. I just need to rest in God's goodness and his, his mercy. When you go home and there's stress in the home, whether it's your kids or your spouse or whatever, and you're feeling it, start to just begin to worship. Just begin to worship. Turn your heart to worship, and guess what will happen? Goodness and mercy will start to overcome you. doesn't matter. Even if you're in traffic, you ever been in traffic? You're like, well, you ain't doing that to me. Start worshiping. (laughs) I ain't worshiping. No, uh uh-uh. I'm going to go get that guy. I'm not worshiping right now. If I start worshiping, then I can't be angry. I'm just going to be angry. I'm going to chase him down. I'm going to tell him to what for, and then I'm going to worship. You know, (laughs) don't work that way. You worship. And then God's goodness and his mercy begin to be poured out over you. doesn't matter if you're in the struggle, you're in the pain. Guess what you need to start doing? Just start worshiping. Just start worshiping in his goodness and his mercy, which is chasing after you, is going to be poured out over you. So David knows that goodness and mercy are found in the Lord. He knows this. And that's why he says at the end of verse 6, he says, I will what? I will dwell. I will what? Dwell. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I I love this. David David begins this piece of poetry by talking about the Lord, and he ends this piece of poetry talking about the Lord. He's he's got it all figured out here. David's like, it begins and it ends with him. Doesn't matter what I'm facing. Doesn't matter what is in the in-between. What matters is that God is on both ends of it. That's good for somebody today. You need to know that. Doesn't matter the in-between as long as God is on both ends of it. So David says, I will dwell. This idea of dwell is to rest. It's, it, it means to literally sit down, to, to settle, to, to take a seat and rest in the home, rest in the house. In the, what is a house? A house is a place of security. It's a place of devotion. It's a place of, of love. It's a place of of comfort and I think that's what we got to do we got to just stop striving we got to stop stop working and we got to start worshiping and we got to start leaning into and just dwell in the house rest in the house here's the question I want you to wrestle with this week and I want you to let me just write this down take this with you and this is the question I want you to ask is am I resting in the house am I 
resting in the house. Come on, turn to three people right now and ask them, are you resting in the house? Are you, are you resting in the house? Now, so what does that mean? What does it mean to rest in the house? What does it mean to, to dwell in the house? Well, here's the first thing I'd like for you to write down is this. I am the house of the Lord, okay? I want to talk about this, and this is how we're going to land this plane for this series, okay? I am the house of the Lord. Say that with me. I am the house of the Lord. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them you're the house of the Lord and I'm the house of the Lord. I am the house of the Lord. The Apostle Paul, he he wrote a letter to the Corinthian church. And in that letter, you can read this uh, later, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is where it talks about it. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says this, he says, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, God dwells in me. I, I, I can rest because the Spirit of God is always with me. It, it does not matter. Listen, here's, here's how it works. Think about the psalm, bookended with the Lord, okay? God is with me. I am now the temple of the Lord. The Spirit of God is within me. That means, listen, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Guess what? Anybody, did anybody do anything fun this week? Raise your hand. If you just one thing you did, and I had, I had a good time doing this. One, raise your hand. Wow, you know what? Let's just all raise our hands so we just pretend, because there's people here who don't know Jesus, and they want to know, wow, they're not having fun. Yeah, look at how we're all having fun. We all had a great week. That's, that's, that's why you need to follow Jesus. We're all having a great time, okay? Listen, when you had something fun, when you did something good, God was there enjoying it with you. He was in the green pasture. God wants us to have joy in this life. He wants us to find the green pasture. When you're there beside the still waters, we talked about that in week one, this idea of being in the Word, of getting up 10 minutes earlier and just opening up the Word and letting the Word speak to me. But here's what keeps us so many times from the Word is we wonder, does God hear me when I pray? Is He even listening? Is He even here? Like, I'm re- is He? Yes. When every time you open up His Word, He is present there with you. He's there with me in the valley. We talked about the dark valley. Even when I can't see God, it's so dark. It's so dark. I can't see up. I can't see down. I can't see forward. I, I just don't even know what, I'm going the right way. And, 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 and he, he's with me. He's the spirit of God that is in me, even in the dark valley. We talked about this idea that his rod and his staff reach out and they touch us and remind us, I'm here. Get a text from a friend. Somebody prays for you. You're a worship song. Yeah, he's with me. Even when you're surrounded by your enemies, you look, man, oh, that they did, and with that person, and oh, then the enemy's closing in on me, and man, I'm feeling surrounded, and what am I going to do? We talked about King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was, was surrounded, and he said this, don't answer the enemy. Don't answer the enemy. And we talked about this table last week that he puts in the presence of my enemies. In other words, the, God, God's right there at the, at the table, even in the presence of my enemies enemies. This is our God. I am the house of the Lord. And because I am the house, I I can find rest in the midst of my stress. So I am the house of the Lord. Now, the next one is this. We are the house of the Lord. Come on, say that with me. We are the house of the Lord. Come on, tell three people right now. We are the house of the Lord. All of us together. Look, when 
When David talks about dwelling in the house of the Lord, he's actually talking literally about the temple here. He's actually like probably somewhere near his palace and he's looking up the hill and he sees the temple and he's like, yeah, I'm going to dwell there. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go to that physical place and I'm going to worship you. And that's, that's what we're doing together today. We're coming to that physical place, okay? The church, you can call it the temple, the church, the tabernacle, whatever you want to call it. But we're gathering together as God's people. The Apostle Paul, in, in his letter to the Corinthians, back to that again, he said this. He said, the church is the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. All of us together, we are, we are one body with many members. In, in other words, we gather to worship one God as one body united together in love. Listen, this is a house of comfort. This is a house of love. This is a place you can run to as a refuge and an oasis from the pain and the struggle and the stress and the pressures of this world. One hour a week, baby. Every Sunday, I know where I can find it. I know where it's coming. It might be Wednesday. It might be 9 a.m. and I'm struggling, but I know Sunday is coming. It might be Thursday night and I'm having a difficult time at home with my kids or my family, but I know Sunday is is coming, and I know when I come into the house of the Lord, at least for that one hour, it's going to push it all back. I'm going to find me some hope in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. I can find some hope. This is the place to find healing. This is the place to find peace. This is the place where you find purpose for your life. When you're sitting there, man, you know, I come in here and I'm just refocused, and I know this is what God has for me, and this is what he wants for me. We are the house of the Lord. But here's how I want to end this whole series. This is how I want to land this plane. And this is the way David ends this beautiful piece of poetry. I love the way he ends this beautiful piece of poetry. He says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. In other words, not only am I the house of the Lord and we are the house of the Lord, but the Lord has prepared a house. The Lord has prepared a house for me. Okay, come on, turn to somebody right now and say, heaven is your home. Heaven is your home. Heaven is your home. Jesus said it this way about a thousand years after David in, in John chapter 14. John the apostle records what Jesus said, and, and here's John and all the disciples, and they're sitting around, and, and Jesus says to them, hey, listen, I know you're freaking out because I'm getting ready to leave, but listen, I want you to know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to prepare a house for you. And I, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and then I'm coming back to get you. And you're going to dwell in my house forever. This is not my home. Heaven is my home. This is not the end of your story. Listen, one day, all pain, all tragedy, all struggle, all sin are going to be swallowed up and I will have rest for my soul. Jesus has a home for me, for me. Everything that's going on in this world, I do not have to be discouraged. 
If I'm not a follower of Jesus, I have to be discouraged because there's nothing coming after this. But for the believer, for the follower of Jesus, it doesn't matter what comes my way. It doesn't matter how you knock me down. It doesn't matter whether I'm in want or I'm in plenty. I know it doesn't. I can't get enough plenty on this earth for the house that Jesus is building for me one day in heaven. It's going to be the best of the best that he has for me. So are you dwelling in the house? If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you in the house. I want to invite you in. He has a place for you. you. Listen, you are the house of God. If you're not a follower of Jesus, God wants to make his home in you. It's like, what? Yes, in you. Yeah, but you don't understand. You don't know what I did. You don't, I don't know. All I know is I know a lot of people that were just like you. And I was just like you. Broken, sinner, jacked up, messed up, couldn't make it right. But Jesus came in brought the spirit, and started turning my life around. Is that your testimony? That's my testimony. God started turning this wreck around, and that's what he wants to do for you. He wants to put a home in you, but not only a home in you, but listen, here's the really good news. This is your home. You have a, you have a new home. You have a family. This is the beauty of the church. This is something that cannot be replicated anywhere else on the planet. You can't go to the gym and get this. You can't go to the coffee shop and get this. You cannot get on any rec league in this city and find what you find here, a family. There's something that happens when we become a child of God. His spirit comes into me, and his spirit is in you, and in you, and in you, and in you, and we are united together as brothers and sisters in Christ, and something is different. You ever, you ever been across the country? You're not even at, at core church. You're just across the country somewhere, and you run into somebody, and you find out they're a follower of Jesus, and you're like, whoo! Just something weird happens, doesn't it? You're like, well, it's like we're family. I don't, I don't know you, but we're like family, and they don't get weirded out by it. They're like, wow, we're like family. And it's the Holy Spirit that is, in, and this is a place for you. This is a safe place for you. This is a home for you. A home is a safe place. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is a safe place for you. You can come in here with all your brokenness, all your messed upness, all the struggles that you have, and you can lay them out on the table. And we're like, yeah, brother, yeah, I understand that. Sister, yeah, I, yeah, I totally understand what that is. And this is a place where you're going to find people that lift you up out of the mud, not push you down in it. Aren't you sick of that? Aren't you tired of that? Aren't you just tired of the world just pushing you down? Aren't you ready to be lifted up? That's what this place is for. That's why we come every week. That's why you show up every week. You know that. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. That's why you run here every week. Because you know, well, I'm going I'm to get lifted up. But the best news is that Jesus right now is somewhere making a house for you. This is what I want you to know if you're not a follower of Jesus. He's already made the house. He's already working on it. He doesn't wait until you... You become his son or daughter to start building your house. He's building your house in anticipation that you're going to be there one day. And he says, this is for you. I have this for you. And all you got to do to receive that is just to simply say, all right, I choose to follow Jesus. I want to follow after him. I, want to, I, want to, I just want my sins and my junk and my past. I just want it, want it gone. And I don't quite understand all of it, but I, I just know I want to take a step. And I just want to encourage you today, just, just take a step. Just take a step towards Jesus and watch what he does. Take a step towards the house. Watch what he does in your life.